Welcome back to Balagan. After a short break, we're back. And what a surprise. We have another round of election. The fifth election in Israel in, let's say, three years. Why did it happen? Who are the players? What's going to happen? Well, we actually don't know what's going to happen, but we can tell a little bit about what we assume is going to happen. And for that, I have the best, uh, my best buddy here, Jeff. Jeff Becker, welcome back to Balagan. Hey, Kobe. So, how was the summer, Jeff? From a non-Israeli political standpoint, it was actually pretty nice and calm. Unfortunately, now that we're back discussing these issues, it goes from nice and calm to uh, tense, anxious, and uh, a future of not knowing what's going to happen, or we may know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, let's jump right into it. Why are we going to a fifth election, Kobe? Let's, let's start right there. So, why are we going? If you remember when we spoke about it a long time ago, and we spoke about the Amina party and uh, Naftali Bennett, I told you that they're, they're going to be the weakest link. Naftali Bennett, he's a great entrepreneur, I would say, but he's very jumpy. And he always had a problem choosing his allies in politics. His only ally that was really loyal to him until recently was actually Ayelet Shaked. They went together from the beginning, from the days they were both working for Benjamin Netanyahu when he was the head of opposition uh, in 2005. They've been together until today. But apparently at one point, as we say in Hebrew, Hatul Shachor, a black cat, uh, passed between them. He doesn't say anything about cats, okay? So if somebody loves cats, don't get offended. But eventually, Naftali Bennett's choice of people, or the way he chooses his, his uh, lists all the time, never proved itself to be something stable. And eventually, it started crumbling down like a house of cards. You know, it's, it started with the, on the first day with the Amichai Shikli, who banned the coalition on the day they were sworn oath when Naftali Bennett was chosen to be prime minister. Then later on, he had uh, Nir Orbach, one of his friends actually from the Jewish home, okay? And uh, Edith Silman, who was the head of the coalition, who started giving him a hard time because they were under a constant, I would say, pressure from the hard right wing, and they couldn't stand the pressure. On the other hand, you know, if from the left and from the from the Arab parties, they were not, as you can say, uh, in Hebrew we say lelakek dvash, like enjoying the sweets of uh, enjoying the fruit of the of, uh, of what they do. They were also having a hard time because Ram party was being slammed by the joint list that they are joining forces with the right wing and with right wing policies. And also at Meretz party, they have a couple of weak links. But eventually, we are going to a new round of election because some people didn't have eventually the willpower that you need to have or the, or the thick skin you need to have for a politician. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting how you mentioned... Uh... And you mentioned crumbs at one point because you did someone who was the coalition with like the 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 coalition really started to come down with her decision that she was going to stop voting with the coalition because of what was it passover uh they weren't going to allow um 
bread in the hospitals, right? Yes. I actually spoke about it in a different episode when I spoke with Uri Kedar, the CEO of uh, uh, Israel Hofshit, because his organization actually uh, went to the Supreme Court about it. You know, that it, it's not constitutional and it's against actually the law to stop people from bringing uh, chametz because there is actually no law saying what you can bring and cannot bring into, uh, into uh, hospitals. But that was her excuse. That was her, uh, you know, get out of jail card, you know, if we're talking like in Monopoly. That was a plain excuse. Uh, eventually, she was under a tremendous pressure from people from the right wing, not only members of the Knesset, both her and uh, Nir Orbach had constant, you know, uh, rallies in front of their homes. Their kids were harassed at schools. It came to a point that uh, I think that if they would have been maintained better by Bennett and his uh, and his people, maybe you know we could have uh, we could have uh, spent more time with the same coalition of what's called the change block. But eventually, it didn't happen. I will give uh, Naftali Bennett this. I was surprised that he actually he was the one breaking the agreement. So Yair Lapid will become, you know, the transition government, uh, the transition prime minister. And I was surprised because if you remember when we were talking about the coalition and if it will survive, I told you that my hunch is that it will survive until we need to go to uh, set the next balance, the next uh, state's uh, budget. But eventually I told you that Bennett is going to be the one to uh, ban it because I don't believe that Bennett will honor the agreement. I think that the main reason that uh, Naftali Bennett uh, made this move was because he knew that he's taking a time out, a break from politics. And eventually, it's not that I think that he's a big fan of Yair Lapid, but he got to the understanding that he is more decent and more honest than the right wing and the, the right wing and Netanyahu. He was also having a hard time uh, ever since he got elected. He was also suffering from constant, you know, rallies and uh, and harassment to him and his family in front of his house. And not only there, I mean, people that he knew in 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 his uh, synagogue would come and tell him that he's a traitor and that he sold the, 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 the country to the Arabs. Now, we also, we, need, we always need to remember when we're talking about it, uh, how hypocrite it is, because eventually, the only reason that Netanyahu could not form a coalition with uh, Mansour Abbas and Ram party was because of uh, Bezalel Smutrich, who, uh, who set the veto on, uh, on, uh, on any Arab party. I think that's a good jumping point to, to where we are now and, you know, where the different parties are positioned going into this next election, because, you know, we talk about how powerful the far right was in, you know, protesting the Bennett government and the coalition. And I mean, if you look at where they were pulling then when they were having these protests and where they're pulling now, I mean, they're pulling significantly higher now, um, you know, now that they have some more radical figures uh, lined up within their 
political uh, apparatus like Itamar Ben-Gavir pretty much lead, being the new de facto leader of the, not even de facto, the official leader of the far right and basically taking the far right to, to new heights under his leadership. So if you, if you can elaborate on how you think that the far right in Israel is going to play out and affect this coming election. Yes, yeah, so we are actually recording on uh, Friday, August 26, when actually today in Israel, in, not early morning, but morning time, Bezalel Smutrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir got to an agreement that they will run together as one uh, party. Otsma Yehudit, Jewish, uh, how do you call it in English? Jewish, uh, Jewish force, power. Jewish power. And Tzionut Adatit, uh, religious Zionism, will run together under one as a joint list. And that's only thanks to, once again, the one and only Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, who met with both of them. Now, the reason Netanyahu met with uh, both uh, Smutrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir is because something really interesting happened in the last two weeks in Israel. Two weeks ago, uh, Bezalel Smutrich decided that he is not running with Itamar Ben-Gvir. Now, until Itamar Ben-Gvir arrived the Knesset and got into, you know, to, not to politics, because he's been to politics for a long time, but being, a, um, you know, I would say a legitimate, and I'm putting it quote-unquote, a legit, legitimate uh, a member of the Knesset, Bezalel Smutrich was considered to be the extremist. And <laughs> the funny thing that happened is that when Ben-Gvir is around, Smutrich suddenly looked like the, the mature one. So what start, what happening is that Itamar Ben-Gvir is actually taking uh, votes or taking uh, voters from a couple of parties. He's taking votes, he's taking uh, at least one or two mandates from the ultra-Orthodox parties, from Shas and from Aguda, because there are a lot of young uh, yeshiva buchers that are not that religious. In Israel, we call them shababnikim. Okay, but those are the yeshiva buchers that don't get married, that usually they smoke, they hang out, they don't really into, uh, you know, to the yeshiva. And they are usually more bored and more extremist. On the other hand, you need to remember that Yamina party was, uh, you know, also split. So he's taking a couple of votes from there. And eventually, he's also taking votes from uh, Bezalel Smutrich. So Bezalel Smutrich got to a point that this week, a couple of the polls gave, gave uh, uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir and uh, Otsma Yehudi, Jewish power, eight seats in the Knesset, while uh, Bezalel Smutrich received between three to four mandates, three to four seats. Now, with three seats, you don't get elected. We need to remind our audience that the threshold in Israel is 3.25% of all of the votes. So for 3.25% of all of the votes, and you have 120 members of the Knesset, it means that you need to have at least four seats. That's the minimum that you'll get if you're going to get in. So if Naftali, Be if uh, 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 Smotrich gets only three votes, you know, uh, three members of the Knesset, or actually, let's say 2.8% of, uh, of support, it means that he's not going to cross the threshold. And it also means that uh, Netanyahu's chances of forming a government are, are getting lower. I assume that the same thing will happen with Ayelet Shaked. You know, when we're talking about the right wing, we can't neglect Ayelet Shaked. 
איילת שקד, the minister of interior affairs, and the current leader of Yamina, now they have a new name because they joined forces with Derech Eretz, with Yoaz Handel and Tzvi Hauser, uh, the two guys that uh, didn't let Benny Gantz form a coalition with the, uh, you know, with the Arab parties in the second round, and uh, let Naftali Bennett do it uh, afterwards. They, they joined forces with Ayelet Shaked after Naftali Bennett banned Yamina. He actually b- played some moves over there, and also Yair Lapid and the coalition in overall, that they left Yamina as an empty, I would say, empty shell. So Ayelet Shaked formed something that is called Amachanea Tzionut, Oh my God, it's so complicated. They have so many words now. Anyway, the new party that was formed by uh, Ayelet Shaked and Tzvi Hauser, the Zionist spirit, it's a new name. They don't cross the threshold. The interesting thing that happened with Ayelet Shaked, I think, it's that unlike Naftali Bennett, that both sides thought that he's bluffing the other sides. In Ayelet Shaked's case, Nobody trusts her to that she's not bluffing him. She also doesn't cross the threshold, and that's a pure hard right-wing party. Uh, and they get like 2% of support. So if you're taking, you know, what Netanyahu did now with Smutrich and Ben Gvir was actually to secure uh, a couple of the seats. I believe that at the end, he will meet with Ayelet Shaked. Or maybe Ayelet Shaked will come to our senses and she will not run all the way to, the, uh, you know, uh, all the way to cross the finish line because that's going to be... Then the right wing, sometimes it forgives its people, or like when you look at Benjamin Netanyahu, but sometimes for people like Shaked and uh, Naftali Bennett, they have no, how do you say it, no remorse. There no, is symp- no, for- no sympathy for that. No sympathy and no forgiveness for Ayelet Shaked. And if she will make, you know, if she will make the right wing lose two more seats, that can be the game changer, uh, you know, when we're talking about such a close race. So let's let's talk about simply how close it is. How close is Netanyahu to securing a, a victory? I mean, his coalition that he's going to build is going to have to be a very right wing religious sort of coalition. How close is he and how likely do you think it is at this point that he's going to get that? In the bottom line, he's not that close. His situation hasn't changed. And um, and that's something that's imp- important to remind our audience. Nothing has changed politically. The blocks remains the same. And the only parties that can do, that can be the game changers in this case, are actually the Arab parties. Ram party or uh, Yair Lapid's block that we also don't know what's going to happen with them. But the Arab parties still hold a minimum of eight mandates. Four mandates uh, to the Ram party, which is the religious uh, party led by Mansour Abbas, the Muslim party. And you have the joint list led by Ayman Uda and Ahmad Tibi that, uh, that are also that are, they're still in the game. And they are getting in all of the thresholds, they are quite balanced, you know, quite stable with four mandates. Netanyahu's block is running, you know, in between, if you're talking about it, within the margins of 55 to 58 seats, 
out of 120, which means that, for example, if a yellow jacket is taking two, two mandates, then, you know, down, then one mandate goes to him, but the other mandate goes to the other side, you know, to Yair Lapid, to the, to the labor, whatever, because of the way the votes split. He doesn't have a majority. And neither is Yair Lapid. You know, and Yair Lapid is actually in even a tougher situation uh, because Benny Gantz is now, you know, we'll go back to Benny Gantz, once the leader of the, of the center-left of the center-left uh, camp, you know, if we'll go back to the second round of election when he was leading uh, blue and white, which was a coalition of Hosan Israel, that was his first party, Yesh Atid led by Yair Lapid, and uh, Moshe Bugi Alon's party, may rest in peace the party, uh, I don't even remember the name now. Uh, but that's how he started. Then at one point he joined forces in the third round. He went to a, once again, unity government. I don't like the word unity because it wasn't a unity government. To form a, a broad coalition with Netanyahu. It didn't work out surprisingly. and now. Okay, in the fifth round, he actually has a new party, which is a combination of him, of uh, um, Gidon Saar's party. Who remember Gidon Saar left the Likud and he formed uh, another party. And the new kid on the block, which is Gadi Eisenkot, uh, who was also Israel's uh, chief of staff. He was actually uh, one of the most, I would say, verbal the idealist chief of staffs. He had no problem, you know, after uh, uh, Elor Azaria executed a dying uh, terrorist, uh, to say that that was no bravery. He spoke to warriors and tell them that there is no bravery to empty a magazine of an M16 on a girl with scissors. And he actually has a very, very, I would say clear vision for Israel. But on the other hand, he decided to join forces with his, uh, you know, his chief of staff, Benny Gantz and uh, Gidon Saar. I don't see how someone like, a, um, like Eisenkot, who support a two-state solution, uh, join forces and promote his ideology with somebody like Gidon Saar, who doesn't support the two-state solution. Uh, and actually supports annexing the West Bank and Gaza, you know, not Gaza, but the West Bank. So for Yair Lapid, it's a tougher situation. Based on what we had now with Naftali Bennett with six seats, I would say that what Benny Gantz is trying to do is to make the, you know, the current election three-head run, you know, uh, that it's going to be Netanyahu, Gantz, and Yair Lapid. And that he will be the one, he believes that he can bring the ultra-Orthodox into a coalition with him. And by the way, he has a point, but he won't be able to do it with, with Yair Lapid. I doubt if the ultra-Orthodox are going to give Yair Lapid any legitimacy. Unfortunately, I'm saying that, that there is a chance that Benny Gantz will join forces again with, uh, with uh, Netanyahu, but then the only thing, the only change that is going to be is that he's going to say, you know what, I'm going to be first. But it's not because he's the head of the, the party. 
it's only because he has Zev Alkin and Gidon Saar, who's probably going to run the, you know, the coalition agreements for him. And they are smarter, I would say, politicians. And they're also right-wingers, Alkin and Saar, who probably, you know, from an ideological standpoint, don't have, aren't that different from Likud and Netanyahu. Oh, they are actually a lot far right from, mm-hmm. uh, from the Likud. They are ideological right-wing. I mean, eventually with the Likud today, um, you know, the sad thing is that it's a one-man show. They are, you know, bragging that they have, uh, you know, a primaries for their list and that they are the most democratic party. But eventually when you look at the list of the people who got elected two weeks ago, most of them are just loyalists. Okay, loyalists to Netanyahu. And uh, the ones that were not that loyal, let's say, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, the fearsome uh, uh, Yuli Edelstein. Uh, you know, who was the Speaker of the House at one point. Uh, and also, he declared about a year ago that he's going to run against Netanyahu. And once he did that, okay, he marked himself, you know, that, as an enemy. Exactly. So now he's in the 20, 27th uh, spot. So he will probably get elected to the Knesset. But if Netanyahu will form a coalition, He's not going to give him any anything, you know. He will become a, a backbench, you know, member of the Knesset. So basically, to sum up where we are right now, it's like in a way, it's like Groundhog Day again for the fifth time because ultimately, Lapid and Bibi don't really have a secure majority to form a government yet. Yes, and Lapid actually has a we- a weaker block. If you are talking about Netanyahu's block, you know, the hard right-wing Haredim, then his block is secured more than, than Yair Lapid. Because Yair Lapid's block is a lot more diverse. You have now two parties from the left that are, you know, on the verge of not crossing the threshold, which are merits and labor once again. Um, because a lot of the people that were, I would say, classic labor parties went with Benny Gantz. Uh, a lot of the younger generation are actually going, you know, with Yair Lapid. And merits and labor became irrelevant, even though, as ministers, by the way, they are doing good work. You know, uh, if we're looking at labor, Omer Barlev was the minister of... Uh, of uh, um, of the, the, of the police of the public uh, security and Omer Barlev was doing an amazing work in the in the last year there were thousands of weapons uh, you know uh, compensated in the Arab sector the amount the level of uh, violence dropped in the Arab sector he was putting a lot of effort in recovering the police force from horrible things that were happening happening over there and he doesn't get, you know, he's discredited. He's not being credited for that. Uh, even the Labour Party voters actually didn't, um, I would say, uh, gave him any credit for that. He was elected in the, in the seventh uh, spot in the primaries, which means that he's probably not going to be a member of the Knesset in the next round. Same with, uh, you know, um, Merav Michaeli is trying to make changes in the public in the office of uh, transportation, 
but some of it doesn't, you know, when you're talking about infrastructure, a lot of the changes you see only over a couple of, over, you know, on a, on, on a longer uh, time, time uh, frame. Um, the only thing that she may be able to change, and that's something that she needs to play smart, November 1st is the election. But there is another thing that is happening in November in Tel Aviv, which is finally the light rail is going to start working. So if we're talking about the light rail, uh, there is a debate whether it should work on Shabbat or not. And that's something that can give her a lot of credit among the secular voters if she's going to do that. I don't know if she's going to do it, uh, if she's going to be successful in doing it, but I think that that can be a game changer in the left wing. You know, or I would say the secular and the less uh, conservative sphere. But I also think that eventually, uh, when you're talking about election, and I said it, you know, in the last rounds as well, the elections in Israel seems like a boxing ring that has only one side is there to, you know, to win. The other side is playing not to lose. And when you're playing not to lose, eventually the bigger are the chances that you're going to lose. And if the left wing or the center left, whatever, will not start, you know, uh, eventually also scaring their people that if they are going to sit home, we're going to get a halakha state and stuff like that. You know, just like, you know, Netanyahu has no shame saying that the Arabs are running to the, to, you know, to the polls. So why is that legit? And telling that the ultra-Orthodox and the settlers are running to the polls is illegit. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, one side is saying, okay, the most imp- the only important thing is winning. And the other side is saying, ah, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's really hard to, to explain it. I mean, we have to go into depth, and that's something that we're going to do in our next episodes, actually. We're going to try and see what's happening in the right, what's happening in the left. Uh, I mean, a lot of things happening, in, you know, for merits, for example. They also had their primaries this week, uh, this last week, and they brought back Zehava Galon. Zehava Galon was uh, one of their leaders. She was a great, great, great member of the Knesset. And she's uh, well known in the, ter- in the area of, uh, I would say, human rights. Okay. I don't think that in Israel, uh, you know, uh, people care too much about human rights these days. I don't know. I mean, they chose her over, for example, uh, Yair Golan, who was the first colonel that actually, the first aloof, he was, uh, you know, uh, the deputy chief of staff of Israel. Also, by the way, just like Gadi Eisenkot with a clear vision of what needs to be done, he is actually one of the only um, loud voices talking about the two-state solution and against, you know, what is happening in the West Bank and the, and, and the long-term results that it may have on Israel and the effect that it may have on Israel. But for some reason, you know, in the Meretz party, they don't like generals. So he was kicked out. Not only that he was not elected against the Avagalon, he is also uh, pushed to the fifth, uh, no, seventh uh, spot in Meretz, which is also not, uh, you know, I doubt if you will be in the next Knesset. 
So there are a lot of things that are happening, but eventually none of them is a real game changer because we're still talking about the same deadlock and most likely, okay, that, you know, if we're going to, uh, if we're going to have the fifth election, Netanyahu will have the biggest party. He's probably going to get the chances, you know, he's going to get, um, he's going to get the first chance to form a coalition. The question is if he's going to be successful or if we're going to go to another round of election because they won't be, none of the sides will be able to, um, you know, to form a coalition, then, you know, but I will say for Lapid, by the way, that it is a good, you know, that's, I think that's the best thing for Lapid. As long as he can stay, you know, holding the, st- the steering wheel of Israel, um, then 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 for him it's 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 a win it's a win-win situation it's a lot to cover and we just gave i would say the the brief you know for now yeah we'll we'll be diving we'll be diving more into it uh, in the next couple episodes for sure yes definitely so i really want to thank you for joining me again and welcome back to balagan and it's great to be back as well Looking forward uh, for our next recording, my friend. Shabbat shalom. See you all. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan www.balagan.ltd for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now and have a great day.